Hello and welcome to another episode of K-Botak, a short podcast about Korean cinema and K-dramas with me, John. This episode, we're going to be talking about the films of Lee Jong-bum. He is a South Korean film director and screenwriter, born in 1971, known mainly for crime films and uh, noir action films. And I'm going to be talking about The Man from Nowhere, No Tears for the Dead, and Cho Pir Ho, The Dawning Rage. These are a trilogy of action crimers created and released over about 10 years that aren't linked narratively, but are arguably linked thematically. Each present dangerous, violent men with specialist training as an anti-hero lead and uses them as a way to explore empathy, moral ambiguity, and ultimately humanity, with varying degrees of success. This sequence of films includes at least one, which is widely regarded as a classic by K-movie fans and uh, fans of thrillers. And at the very least, they're all worth seeing. Be warned, however, that each is hyper-violent, and they often deal with extremely grim themes and plot points, particularly the middle film. But if you like face-melting action and some banger acting performances, you are in the right place with Lee Chung-bong. So first, The Man From Nowhere, which in Korean is known as Ajushi. This stars Won Bin as Cha Tae-sik and Kim Se-ron as So-mi, as well as a group of other people, but uh, these are the two important characters, I feel. Won Bin is uh, known for not accepting many roles, um, so this is one of the few films you can see him in. He's very good. The Man From Nowhere is a revenge movie and a blend of Leon the Professional and Taken, um, starring, like I mentioned, the reclusive Won Bin. Um, he went all in as Taesik, who is a quiet, elective hermit, who inevitably turns into an unstoppable force of fury and lethality as this movie goes on. Uh, I've seen this described as a you messed with the wrong guy movie, and it really is. Um, the people who get uh, on the bad side of Taesik, do not know what they are in for. Taesik is a retired intelligence officer. You find this out partway through the movie. Uh, it opens on him running a pawn shop, and his only friend is a little girl who comes to the shop. This is Somi. He has a soft spot for her, and he checks in on her once in a while because her mother um, has fallen on some bad times. She is an addict. Uh, she is working as a stripper. Uh, and we eventually discover that she's gotten over her head with some very bad dudes. Um, a recurring theme in especially this one and the backstory for No Tears for the Dead is people in quite suffocating, inescapable economic circumstances falling into deeper and worse trouble as they kind of have a brush with the criminal underworld. Um, this is exactly what happens to Somi's mum. So when the bad men turn up to torture the mother and kidnap the child, this is when Taesik's very particular set of skills come to bear. Like I mentioned at the start, the Korean name for this is Ajushi, which is a polite way to refer to basically an uncle, um, and this is what Somi calls Taesik. So it establishes that there's an informal, not necessarily familial, but quite friendly dynamic uh, between them. Ajushi is uh, not always a very formal term. Um, and 
it sort of becomes clear that Somi is Taishik's main connection to the outside world uh, as he processes some very deep trauma. And secondly, that Taishik represents a protective, even if stoic, male figure in Somi's life as her mother seems to be surrounded by primarily wrongans. So it's not surprising uh, that Taisik takes after her kidnappers with a vengeance. If he doesn't rescue her, nobody else is going to, and something terrible is going to happen. So while the surrounding character work and drama is all very good, and I think marks this out from a lot of revenge action flicks, the action itself is also a cut above, and probably what a lot of people are initially coming to this movie for. It's one of Yi Chung-bum's hallmarks to have uh, often quite spectacular, very conceptual uh, action set pieces. If you like the villainess, The Night Comes For Us, uh, the John Wick stuff, you consider yourself a fan of hard-boiled Hong Kong action, then you're going to find plenty to like here. However, it should be uh, mentioned that this isn't like a John Wick film. Uh, the Man From Nowhere usually isn't so much about stylish gun fu as these gory gut-punch fights. There's often lingering shots. Um, Lee lets baddies who were smirking a few seconds ago kind of agonisingly bleed out as Taishik knifes, punches and shoots his way through them. Um, you really get to uh, drink in these uh, very violent uh, moments. Um, it's not glossed over at all. It's not edited across. Um, these, are, these scenes are meant to be witnessed. Uh, you're meant to see the scale of violence that's being unleashed here. Um, sometimes that very choppy, very ra rapid kind of shitty editing that you get in a lot of Hollywood uh, movies, you know, it can kind of obscure what is actually happening. Um, Yi Chung Bum isn't interested in that. You know, he, he wants you to see that th this, is, uh, this is what's happening now um, because he's given you a reason that it's happening. So he's going to show it to you. So this feels more like a Park Chan-wook or a Park Chun-hung movie. There's plenty of blood splatters uh, to complete that comparison, including a standout, largely wordless punch-up in a bathroom, uh, making very good use of confined spaces, which would be contrasted in the next movie uh, that he would do. Um, although that said, there is a climactic shootout that is very fast, frenetic, uh, furious and incredibly stylish. So in a way, this does have it all. Um, it's got a really good gamut of action sequences. So this movie sets out a lot of the themes that Yi Chung-bum would return to over the next films, uh, his next two pieces, right down to his archetype of a morally ambiguous anti-hero lead, um, vulnerable women, organised crime and some really original and intense action. If you are into your revenge flicks, your South Korean thrillers, or you just appreciate some really intense acting and effective drama and you don't mind some bloodletting in the process, this is really easy to recommend. It has become part of the canon of South Korean actioners. Wombin is a commanding presence in the middle of it all. Um, and the other two films that I'm going to talk about are very much in conversation with this one. It's kind of a centerpiece to this, uh, what I think of as a trilogy. The next movie 
is No Tears for the Dead. Uh, this, uh, in Korean, translates to The Crying Man. This came out in 2014, um, and it features Chang Dong-gun as Gon and Kim Min-hee as Mokum. The bombastic gunfu influences of the legendary John Woo come into play a lot more in No Tears for the Dead. Um, it bears a lot of similarities to his classic The Killer. Now, The Killer is a film I would rate 10 out of 10. Uh, I like it even more than A Better Tomorrow and Hard Boiled, generally considered the you know peak John Woo. Um, it's Chow Yun-fat in the lead, as was customary at the time for John Woo's Hong Kong gangster films, uh, much like Better Tomorrow and Hard Boiled. And Chow plays a hitman who is on his last job. He accidentally blinds a beautiful nightclub singer, and while he's drumming up the money to pay for her cornea transplant, a bunch of triad gangsters come after him, uh, and a young girl is injured too. It's a brilliant film. Uh, it's all about collateral damage and how innocence and personal relationships suffer around those who are in the world of organised crime, uh, with an absolutely spellbinding, charismatic turn by Chow, who plays this regretful hitman with a, a mix of regret and charm without ever missing a beat. It's, uh, you know, it's th this is top tier Chow Yun-fat. Uh, perfect movie, and you should watch it. And there's some dynamite shootouts, as you'd expect, including a fabulous some um, climactic set piece uh, in a church. Um, no Tears from the Dead, on the other hand, it's far from perfect, but it's a very effective, very bleak Korean take on the same tale, albeit not an official remake. In this version, Gon, uh, the hitman, played by Chang Dong-kun, actually is responsible for accidentally killing a young girl when a job goes wrong. Is reminiscent of the brilliant in Bruges uh, from years ago, which you might have seen, um, but instead of black comedy capers in Belgium, what follows is a mix of intense action, usually on a much bigger scale than The Man from Nowhere, and quite intense grief. Unlike the other two movies here, I would say that the male lead isn't the main selling point in terms of the acting on display. While Zhang is good in a, a similar role, really, to Wan Bin's Taishik, he's a mostly wordless man carrying a vast hidden hurt uh, and capable of extreme brutality, the real star is Kim Min-hee as Mogyon. Kim will be familiar to fans of The Handmaiden, uh, which came out a couple of years after this. I've mentioned on this podcast before, that's one of my favourite movies, maybe my favourite movie ever. I think it's the best thing Park Chan-wook has ever done. Um, everything about it is is just 10 out of 10, uh, A-plus uh, across the board. And a big part of that is, is the formidable acting talent of Kim Min-hee. Um, and you might have seen her in you know one of the films that have come from what is now a very extensive creative partnership with Hong Sang-soo, which are more kind of... Um, Indie, uh, uh, indie romances, dramas. Um, you know, I haven't I haven't really seen those, but um, definitely something I've been meaning to get round to. You know, probably one of the best actors in South Korea, if not the world. Um, she's capable of very complex emotional projection, in my opinion, which is crucial to her role here. 
she plays uh, a very successful businesswoman, which is typically not a sympathetic archetype in South Korean cinema, who is now grieving over her daughter, who was killed by Gon in, in this job that went sideways. She doesn't know it was him, or that her husband was actually responsible for the child being in danger near a criminal dealing. Uh, and there are a lot of scenes of her that are so sad, I found them hard to watch. Um, you could cynically call them trauma porn or something, but this is actually the flip side to the brutality of what is happening in the criminal world. Like the killer, it's just a different way of showing how ordinary people's lives are affected by things that can happen in that world. Um, it's just that the tone of this is is so funereal a lot of the time. It's, it's not like the killer that has that um, classic John Woo way of, of really scampering from scene to scene in a, in a really lively way even if it's showing you know quite quite brutal things or, or, or serious things um, this is uh, much more maudlin um, this film is is worth seeing you know almost just for a really haunting scene where Kim Min Hee is, is singing Danny Boy um, and again some people might some people might think that this is exploitative syrupy um, really I, I thought it was spine tingling and she actually actually um, nailed that song um, but yeah a, a lot of real deep uh, haunting sadness in this movie um, that you might find tough to get through I certainly did the final hour of the movie is um, kind of what you're waiting for this involves a series of again very high concept action set pieces um, the action in this movie is mostly on a far more operatic grand scale than the man from nowhere uh, there is an amazing sniper sequence punctuated by a guy bursting in with a shotgun the brutality and gore is up there with a Timur Chajanto movie uh, Lee Chung Bum doesn't pull any punches as, as Gon both inflicts and absorbs uh, a truly Boschian level of violence um, the film also wears its 80s influences on its sleeve with a climactic scene where the battle is raging back and forth in this uh, posh office building where Mo Kyung's company is based, strongly reminded me of Terminator 2, um, with what I think must be a call back in a, a really great scene involving Gon and a, a microwave that I won't spoil. A really strong point is that unlike, say, a John Wick or even a lot of the old John Woo stuff where there's lots of faceless bad guys getting taken out, you get a pretty decent amount of time to see who the baddies are in this and why Gon has to take them out. They're most of them given motivations, usually fairly simple ones. They want to get the money, they want to get revenge, but they are motivations at least. So it feels more personal when the bullets start flying. Um, one of the things, you know, other than the, the scenes of grief, which were just um, quite tough to watch. Uh, one of the things I struggled here with even more uh, was the film's violence against women. Considering it starts with a, a young girl being shot and its climax then involves Mo Kyung being brutally beaten by one of the bad guys. Um, I mean, you could say that everybody in this movie is being grievously hurt, but Mo Kyung is explicitly a non-combatant. Uh, she's a grieving mother and we already have reasons to root for her and, and want her to get her own back. So we really don't need to see her brutalized like she is in the the final you know few scenes of this uh, movie um it's pretty unpleasant so i that uh leaves a bad taste uh, to be honest um and it is the one with mixed reviews 
out of this bunch, but I think there's still enough to recommend uh, a watch or at least to YouTube the rooftop sniper scene, even if it is um, probably the, the weakest from this, uh, this three overall. And finally, the most recent movie uh, by Lee Chung Bum uh, is Cho Pir Ho, The Dawning Rage. Um, apologies for my pronunciation of the titular character's name. Um, in Korean, this uh, transliterates to Bad Police. And oh boy, was there ever a film that uh, earned its name. Uh, this features the brilliant Lee Sung Kyun, known for Parasite, recently Dr. Brain, uh, as well as dramas like My Mister, um, as Jo Pil Ho, he is the uh, main character, he's a homicide detective. Also Chun So Ni as Mina, who is a teenage high school student. Um, Park Hae Jun as Kwon Tae who's the right-handed Taishun group. And Song Yung Chang as Jung Yi Hyang, who is the CEO of the Taishun group. Um, you've also got Chung Karam, uh, recently discussed on this podcast as uh, the zombie or Chongbi in uh, The Odd Family, Zombie for Sale. He plays Han Gichul, who is Cho Pirho's partner, um, and Kim Min Jae as the internal affairs officer, um, just called Kim Min Jae, uh, and the brilliant Lee Yu Young as uh, Cho Pirho's wife, Young Hee uh, I've read out more of the cast for this one because this feels uh, more like an ensemble film for me. It has better world building um, and just uh, all around I think this has um, the, the strongest writing and character work. This is a potentially controversial take from me, but this is my favourite out of the three. I know that the uh, correct opinion uh, would be that it should be The Man From Nowhere, um, but man, firstly the writing and also Isam Kyun just nails this role uh, so well. So he isn't a former covert ops guy or a retiring hitman. This is a cop who is very much currently working for the police and is corrupt as hell. Um, Cho is a nightmare for his colleagues. He's got internal affairs constantly sniffing around him. He is a liability for the police force. He's got his fingers in a plethora of petty crime pies throughout the city, and he has an extremely surly personality. He mostly interacts with other people by slapping them. Um, and the opening uh, of the movie introduces a series of shifty young lads he has running scams or heists for him. He is also one of the most hilarious and unique characters in Korean crime cinema brought brilliantly to life uh, by Lee Sung Kyun. The tone for this is pitched just right. There's a seam of absurdity and, and farce just bubbling under the surface that occasionally breaks into these laugh out loud moments. Um, but for the most part you're just cringing at what a complete arsehole this guy is and just appreciating the level of chaos he can cause by being inside the beast that is the police force. Um, he has a line where he says that when he was little he was scared of the police so he decided to become one so they couldn't do anything to him uh, and it's a great line and just the fact that he rejected the notion of ever having to answer to these people or be beholden to them and instead do whatever he wanted with carte blanche is really terrific and a great kind of character beat um, so I think that for me this movie is the most successful one because ultimately these are all character studies in the form of action films um, they're all about these, uh, like I say, these, these dangerous, um, often uh, often surly, uh, very violent men 
and Joe is the most developed character of the three because he's so well developed as an arsehole and a sort of a scourge on society and because his arc during the movie is both realistic and earned it's all the more gripping to watch um, also he's just got more dialogue um, than Taishik, that's one, or Gom. Um, also, he it's difficult to get completely behind Gom because, accidental or not, he has, you know, done something that really there there's just no coming back from, um, as the ending of that movie displays. Whereas this movie kind of shows that although he's corrupt and and he's a bad and this is mostly petty crime, he's stealing money from people who've. Uh, got plenty of it it, it doesn't show uh, Charles as, as a repulsive character he's he more fits in the kind of chaotic evil um, if you want to look at it from from that kind of alignment perspective and uh, just very very entertaining um, so and uh, you've also got uh, like I mentioned E.U. Young playing his wife and just as a fun fact this is one of two times I've seen her and Lee Sung Kyun as an on-screen couple um, she doesn't get much to do but you should definitely watch her in the uh, great sci-fi short film that was also a, uh, an episode of SF8 called The Prayer um, which I talked about on a previous episode that's really really good um, but in this story Eventually, it all catches up with Cho Pidho when a warehouse he's robbing explodes and his phone is found at the scene. And this prompts a chase and a sort of comedy of errors as he tries to put a distance between himself and internal affairs. The trail leads to him encountering Mina, um, which is Kichil's uh, girlfriend, Kichil being his young and uh, now recently deceased partner in crime. Um, Mina asks for his help paying for her friend to have an abortion which Joe does uh, because this is going to help him to retrieve his money and this is where you get the first glimpse of him maybe uh, having a bit of humanity a bit of sympathy for his fellow uh, fellow humans um, after all although he's generally threatening and cantankerous with these young women and he pretty much just wants to get to the money he's after when the abortionist attempts to ask for a night with Mina as payment for his services Joe beats the ever-living shit out of him, um, and just at the suggestion. And personally, I find this character much more compelling. So he's a he's a crook, he's a bank copper, um, and all the rest of it. He's generally driven only by gain, but when faced with repulsive evil of this nature, he does something that uh, the audience can really get behind. And I can anyway, um, and beats the crap out of this uh, this bloke. Um, and this marks a turning point in the film. It's the start of the film's last hour's arc, uh, where we get some redemption for Cho, and he gets into man-from-nowhere mode, rescuing Mina and all the rest of it. Uh, great action set pieces ensue, but it always does a great job of maintaining the character of this man. He's still bloody-minded, there's still some really good cringy moments. Um, but for me, the, the last hour of the movie, I was really hooked on seeing yes what was going to happen but also what was going to happen with this character like who was he going to be by the end of it um, and I, I wasn't quite as um, drawn in by that with the other two with the other two it was mainly okay so we've done the, the establishment and all the setup uh, now we're going to see you know now we've really earned some blazing action scenes and this it was it, it was the writing that pulled me in 
it's worth mentioning that this film has a subplot involving the Sewol Ferry incident. Um, this was a real-life tragedy in South Korea in 2014, where 304 people died in the sinking of the ferry MV Sewol. Um, and Lee Chung-bun felt that he had to treat this incident with care, and it's one of the reasons this film took five years to get made. This came out in 2019, um, so quite a while after No Tears for the Dead, uh, and um, was also responsible for some of the mixed reactions this got. Some uh, people who reviewed it felt it wasn't really justified fitting this story in. Honestly, um, it, it does seem like an odd choice to have a real-life incident like that as a, as a subplot and a backstory, rather than a main part of the story. Um, for the purposes of this movie, a fictitious disaster could probably do the necessary work of, of the character development um, that, that that is contributing towards. So it's an odd choice. Um, you know, I, I don't know uh, a lot about that incident. Haven't seen you know any other commentary from uh, the director. Uh, you know, I'm sure he had his reasons, but um, in its sort of gestalt, um, it comes across as a, as a bit strange why you would take a, a real life disaster and use it as the secondary uh, plot rather than just write a movie about that if if you wanted to get that story out there. So, but I just thought that was worth mentioning. Overall, though. I thought that the character work in this was so strong that it became, you know, as I've said over and over again now, a, my favourite film I've seen by this director. I haven't seen Cruel Winter Blues, which also looks up my, uh, you know, up my street. Um, but uh, yeah, so the, the the drama of the man from nowhere, the grief of No Tears for the Dead, both have you know some measure of success. A lot in the first case. But this mix of black comedy and a really brilliantly written anti-hero make this my pick of the bunch, really. Um, it's on Netflix as well, so it's probably the easiest to see because the others will depend on regional, you know, whether or not they're on there at the moment. Um, and when I think of this film, I'm always thinking about the writing and acting as opposed to the action, which is also great as usual. But for the first time, it's not the defining thing about the movie. Um, this really is a great story about uh, this, this crazy, uh, absolute arsehole of a bloke um, who's just you know, amazingly entertaining to watch. And it, you know, if you're a fan of Ethan Kuna, I think you just have to see this. Um, anyway, you might think differently if you've seen all of these. You probably will. Um, but that is Lee Chung Bum's loosely connected anti-hero trilogy of various types of bastards uh, rescuing people and redeeming themselves, or trying to. Uh, worth a watch. If you have enjoyed this episode, you can follow the show on at kbotakpod, that's K-B-O-T-A-K-P-O-D, on Twitter and Instagram. Retweets and shares are much appreciated. And best of all, if you like the show, please subscribe, uh, leave a review. That would be really, really nice. Um, helps uh, people to discover uh, the show as well. Um, and uh, hope to uh, uh, hope to talk to you on uh, the Twitter and the Instagram. Thank you very much for listening. Cheers.